Hey ghoul friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden, either way. I am still your host, and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of Ookie Spooky Scary Stories. Welcome back, and thank you for being here. And if this is your first time, welcome. Choose a plot in the cemetery. We're happy to have you. Ghoul friends, today we are in for a very special treat. As you may have seen from the title, today on the podcast, we have Bex Carlos from Tutia Bruja. If you have not listened, Tutia Bruja is a witchy podcast hosted by Bex. She is the witchy aunt you never knew you needed. Bex has an amazing history in FM radio and podcast editing, and also, as it says in the title of her show, she is your witchy aunt. Bex is going to talk a little bit more about her background and her work. I'm excited for y'all to listen to this episode, but before we get into that, you know what's really scary? It's really scary when you don't like and subscribe and share (laughs) and comment and do all those things to interact with the algorithm online. As you all know, that is the easiest way to support the show, and I super appreciate it. So if you are willing to, please go ahead and do all that. And on top of that, if you have your own scary stories that you would like me to share on a Letters from the Beyond episode, like in the last episode, you already know how to do that. Send it in an email, DM, via the website, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, contact me on the Ouija board. You know all those different ways, and those are some of my favorite episodes. If you haven't listened to that last one, I highly suggest it. I did my best to give every single story the susto treatment with the music and the sound effects and all that, so I really hope that you enjoyed it. Aside from that, not too many updates on the show, but if you want to follow along on the things that I am up to, you can do so by following at susto podcast on every single social media platform. That's pretty much it for today, so let's go ahead and get into it. Bex, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, saludan tu tía. Everybody say hi. Oh, gracias, gracias. Gracias, uh, Aiden. <laughs> no, thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Of course. So, I mean, we mentioned this in recording uh, y- the episode for your show as well. So if y'all are listening here, after listening to this, go to Tutia Bruja, subscribe, follow, hit all the buttons, and then listen to our episode there. But we were saying that this is long overdue. The universe was telling us something, <laughs> and we had no choice but to listen. So we're finally here, and I am so grateful, and I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, could you tell the folks that are listening a little bit about yourself and about what you do? Yeah, so I am a self-proclaimed audio witch. I've been working in audio for the better part of like 12 years. I went to school for mass media. I worked in commercial radio for seven years. And it's funny because around the time that I was doing that, I went to New Orleans for the first time. And I feel like if you want to be a witch, like that's, that's it. That's what you do. You go to New Orleans. (laughs) I mean, Salem has a lot of cool energy too, but I feel like if you are a marginalized, like Mexican, Latino, black individual, like you're going to have such a connection there. And, uh, I went to Marie Laveau's grave and I asked for an offering to just like become the person I'm meant to be. And after that point, I started buying all these little candles and oils and I was just like hooked, you know? And uh, so, you know, I ended up not working commercial radio for too terribly long after that. I kind of just started editing podcasts as something to keep my, you know, editing work and the audio work keep going. 
so I did a bunch of different shows. And then in 2020, I kind of like, after a failed pancake of a different show that I worked on called Explain to Me that I really enjoyed. But it's weird when you're talking about really radical things and nobody else wants to be identified. And I'm like, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if that's the case, then I'll do it on my own. Like, I don't need this, you know? Like, and um, it was fine. You know, I decided to like branch out on my own. And I feel like I've been bringing this radical sense of, because for whatever reason, people, when they think of like, spiritualism, magia, brujeria, like one, it always has such an evil connotation. Um, And Mm -hmm. two, right. It's just like that. It's not rooted in social justice. And so, you know, my podcast is about one giving people and making people aware that like the power we have in just self and like really believing in the things you can do. We talk about like fun stories, scary stuff, like, I'm really into cannabis and cannabis is such a medicinal plant. So there's episodes about that. My, my show is like a modge podge of like, what is this girl's like hyper fixation right now? Is she into ghosts? (laughs) Is she into cocktails? Like what, what, let's see, let's see what we're in for. And so, yeah, it's been this labor of love and more often than not, when I throw spaghetti at the wall, content wise, it sticks and people like it. And it's cool, you know, because a lot of people I think discredit or make me feel like, oh, you don't follow a normal recipe for what a podcast is. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And? (laughs) I'm like, this is my little art project. (laughs) I'm like, fuck off. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, that that analogy is so perfect. Just like throwing the spaghetti at the wall and like hoping a couple noodles will stick. I feel like that's something that, we as content creators, we kind of have to do now if we want people to see our content is it could be good or bad. I enjoy it because I've always enjoyed making digital content. So uh, being able to use all of those skills to funnel to my show, I think, and I think you can relate to this. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. Like you said, you know, what's the hyperfixation of the week? Anybody who signed up for my Patreon will know. They will know what those <laughs> fixations are. They're like, oh, he's doing paper crafts. He's foiling. He's making stickers. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think that's like the really fun part of creating that others may find laborious. Um, but I really enjoy it sometimes. Yes, it is a lot of work. It is a ton of work, especially when you don't have a team. Um, but it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's funny because like sometimes when I'm just like going about my everyday, you know, I just think about what I fill my time with. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I just want to create fun, cool things. And right now for the first time in a long time, I've had nothing but time and the ability to dedicate to just myself and my work and I'm like I don't know it's this cool reminder that when you really kind of just focus on yourself you're able to do things we were talking about this like um on my podcast episode that recording that we did is I only started teaching like metaphysical classes last year and it was because I worked at a shop and she was like have you ever thought about teaching a class? I'm like, I can't do that. That's adult stuff. What do you mean? You know? And she's like, (laughs) don't you have a podcast? And I'm like, I guess I do. Don't I? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, well, first of all, I'm literally just a baby. I'm just a baby. I'm baby. Um, so, but no, I, I was able to like 
PowerPoint and come up with this whole thing. And I was just like hyper fixated on like cannabis and, you know, how it's been such a medicinal like Marvel and, you know, like again, hyper fixation of the week. And I dedicated like a week, maybe two to like just researching and adding like magic components and how I incorporate it. And it's a fun class. You know, I've been able to do it through uh, Sincerely Craft in St. Louis. Shout out. Um, it's wild because in a lot of places where cannabis is legal, it's really weird, like, you know, with their systems or like their, you know, so I don't know. There's there's something cool. You know, again, we talked about this on the last recording, like the opportunity now. I mean, obviously the pandemic, we're still feeling the impacts of it, but I think all that time we were in lockdown made us just so solitary in our way of being and working and practicing. And it's nice to be able to like find community again in person. Mm-hmm. It's it's a blessing. Absolutely. I feel, yeah, I feel like that's something that I've been trying to do t- since last year and going into this, this year is to like meeting people out in the wild and <laughs> like having face-to-face time. Um, but I, I wanted to ask, you mentioned it, like, you know, the kitchen witchery of it all. Um, what inspired you to kind of focus on brujeria and the paranormal and not only in like your personal life, but with the podcast, like, has it been something that you had an interest in all your life? Can you like pinpoint a spot maybe when like a switch turned for you and you became interested in these things? So I feel like I've always been interested in these things because I feel like if you're Mexican, if you're Latin, you're spooky. Like we didn't make up the rules. <laughs> it's in the culture. Sorry about it. But it's in the water. It's, 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 it's you know, and they tell you not to drink it, but sometimes it happens. But, uh, you know, it's it was always something I was really interested in. But I think I had this like kind of internalized fear of like, oh, well, liking that stuff's evil or liking the stuff is whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, no es de Dios. No es de Dios. No es sagrado. <laughs> es diablo. You know, so. Um, but I think in 20, in 2015, when I kind of went to Marie Laveau's grave and I started, I really just became like hyper fixated on her and the fact that like she did a lot of these things and she worked in salons and really had like these connections to like society. And so that like always ensured that she had work and she was a major practicing Catholic and she knew that she needed the church to like, and you know, I, I feel like she was just one of those people who really felt like justice needs to be served and sometimes justice isn't served, you know, and, you know, based on her, her, you know, Afro-Indigenous background, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So I just really started to get fascinated with like (sighs) magic, but also just like the, the history of it all, right? Like, um, you know, the, the nuances and obviously the, the racism and all these things that kind of like influenced New Orleans. And then that kind of sort of made me think more about like my roots and the people that I come from. And it's funny because it's like, cuando lo empieza a buscar, te encuentra. And I just started really asking a lot of questions of my mom and my dad about like my ancestors and this and that. And um, come to find out like my ancestors, my, my, mi abuelo on my mom's side, like grew agave and he worked for like, Don Javier Sousa, who was the last generation of the Sousa family um, before they sold the factory. And there's just so much power, I think, in like the people that we come from and our ancestors. And, uh, you know, one of the things that people always ask me 
they're like, oh, well, I don't talk to my family. Oh, I don't like, you know, I, I don't know all of my ancestors, you know, whatever, whatever. And they kind of use that as, a, as an excuse for why they can't like figure out more about themselves. And I'm like, okay, but they're like ancestors of the land. There's ancestors of the culture. There's ancestors of the traditions. Like you can still like try to like dig into the people and the regions and the, you know, like I feel to be a bruja, to be a witch is to be a detective and always be trying to figure out all the pieces that make sense. So I just really started getting into like magic and occulticism and like just different traditions and where they formed and the fact that, you know, for a lot of people, brujeria or these different like traditions kind of started as a way for people to be able to practice their religions that maybe were more, you know, they were either maybe based on like the different uh, African traditional religions or, you know, there were a lot of Jewish people that escaped to Mexico as well. There was a lot of indigenous people and it was a way of sort of practicing these things in plain sight and like, Brujeria is regional, right? So it's like what people do in Jalisco is not what people do in Sonora, is not what people do in Colombia, is not what people do in Argentina. And and it's just so fascinating to see how it varies in so many different places. And, uh, you know, it's just like, again, when you start to look for it, it all kind of falls into place. I ended up reading tarot because a friend of mine needed an art project and they were in uh, Ireland. They needed like a final art project. So I was like, what if you create a tarot deck? And so that like right after all of that was just like this head first into like tarot. And uh, I've always been a learn by doing kind of person. So once I started reading tarot, then I started like I was always editing podcasts in the background. And, you know, to kind of like kind of wrap it up, I've already been talking for quite a bit, but. Tutia Bruja kind of came because I'd come to visit some family and I'd realized like, holy shit, I'm someone's tia, you know, because some of my cousins had kids and my siblings don't have kids. And, you know, just the idea that like I'm someone's witchy aunt just really started to <laughs> make me laugh, you know, and I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, I kind of just started Tutia Bruja as a way to shake up the narrative about like a lot of magic and just like ideas of like limiting beliefs of like why we can't become the person that we're supposed to be and also just like conversations about like spooky creepy shit um as a way to kind of just like everyone else I see kind of talking about these things are very like anglo or you know like I I just wanted more of a perspective from like someone who is living in the liminal space of like being Mexican-American and, you know, talking to people who are way more, you know, blessed with melanin than me because the types of magic and life experience and all these things that we see, I think also makes us stronger. Um, We have this like sense of self that really can't be shaken because we are made up of all the traditions and people. And, um, you know, like I kind of like with, finding my ancestors and like all the things my mom is such a cooking like she expresses her love through cooking and so that's something I've always possessed too and so you know for like 420 in the last few years I've been doing a lot more like kitchen witchery stuff because I like making whole menus of cannabis infused things because I'm also just like why are we of the mindset that like edibles have to taste bad because they don't you know <laughs> like yeah uh, but like I made like a uh, one year we made like a uh, lavender uh vanilla lavender infused like creme brulee and 
So I'm like, the sky, you know, the 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 possibilities are endless when it comes to edibles, yeah. people, you know. So yeah, it's it's been really fun uh, as the podcast has evolved and kind of what my interests are at the time. Um, you know, there are people who I've collaborated with, like I. Um, I'm a brand ambassador for Levo Oil and like their oil um, infusers. And it can infuse like a bunch of different stuff, but it's really helpful in the cooking process. And it's just been this wild ride of like, how the hell did I get here? You know what I mean? But in the best way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, as like a creative, you like, you start branching out. And then before you know it, like you said, you have like, a partnership with this like oil infusion company. Yeah, the places that podcasting will take you people is very interesting. Um, I wanted to reference back, you mentioned it again, you mentioned it earlier on is this idea of like tackling on what a lot of people would consider and a lot of the times what actually are pretty heavy subjects. So like, like these radical conversations that you tried having with your other show, you decided, you know, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And, um, and you mentioned again earlier, but like, how do you think your podcast has been able to contribute to discussions, uh, let's say about like anti-racism while also talking about the occult? So one of the things that, um, I talk about on my show a lot is divine timing. And so my show launched in June of 2020, and this was before George Floyd was murdered. And I, back then, when you would put uh, a feed onto Apple, it took a lot longer. Now it can take like a few hours. Back then it would take a few weeks. And so I submitted it out into the ether and I was like lining up all the episodes and then George Floyd was murdered and I was like, well, fuck, you know, I'm, I'm this show. I'm this tiny, tiny person. Like, what can I do? Because right now, like collectively, we're all experiencing a lot of sense of emotions with what's happening. Right. And I just saw a lot of people having this, this, this incessant need to like reach out to their black friends and be like, what's going on? You know, basically and asking them to do a bunch of like labor that really (laughs) was not appropriate. Um, and really not their job. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I had this thought of like, well, all the black witches to the front. And so I had sort of reworked, And it was cool because I was able to provide people with like resources and organizations they could donate to and people who were protesting for the first time could have here like resources in St. Louis where I'm, you know, local to or was local to at the time, Um, you know, who to call if you get arrested, you know, stuff like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was really nice. Um, It really made me feel like I was helping take the burden off some of my friends who were just like feeling a lot. And it really proved that like with audio, you know, you can get a message out. And it was one of those things that I really stood by the work. And, you know, we talked about this prior. I ended up pulling all of my catalog and it's not because I didn't stand by my work, but now as someone who teaches occult classes, I feel like I didn't always have the best knowledge. It was sort of what was just working for me. And I've gained mm-hmm. a lot more knowledge since then. And I just, I don't want to give people inaccurate information because, you know, when you dabble in this, it is serious, you know, like it isn't something to just be toyed with. And I just wanted to provide better information. And, you know, I feel like I'm doing that. Um, 
I think a lot of people, you know, just need also like the verbal medicine of being told like, you can do this if you want to. And, and, and the collective, like, you know, if this person did it and they just like really dedicated themselves to it, so can you. Um, and seeing like people live their, their lives authentically to themselves, like is magic in itself. So yeah, I just, I try to do the best that I can with the knowledge that I have to provide resources, um, you know, to share places that people can support and, you know, to just do what I can to be like someone who cares about, you know, creating a world that's more full of like love and equity and, you know, and I think that like, that's the thing is like magic is altering the reality that we want to live in. And I feel like by living, you know, true to what you want to see in the world is how you do it. So also, I think that like, when you look at a lot of magic stuff, especially stuff in the US, when you look at hoodoo, when you look at like, magic, um, and stuff, it all comes out of a place of social justice, hiding in plain sight, being safe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because when you look at a lot of the herbs that are used to kind of keep spirits away as protection, it's a lot of like peppers, crushed up peppers. It's a lot of dried peppers, you know? So where do you find a lot of that? Right. So a lot of, and I mean, like, I think people maybe don't want to admit this, but like a lot of the most powerful magic comes from like people just trying to protect themselves, you know, because Mm -hmm. there were systemic, obstacles and violence that they had to deal with. So yeah, I I just feel like my show is like a way of continuing to do the work and to give power to people who need it. Absolutely. And thank you for doing that. Also, I know that, you know, it's taking on that kind of work is it can be really heavy and it can feel really daunting at times. To be very honest, it can feel hopeless sometimes when you see the way that the world is. But Um, It is work that needs to be done, and they are conversations that need to be had. Let's take a quick break. And going back to the idea of brujeria and what it might mean for some people... I'm curious as to what your thoughts might be surrounding this, because it's a topic that I brought up on my most recent episode um, about La Llorona and how these stories have survived centuries. And like you said earlier, brujería a lot of the times is about like hiding in plain sight. And we, we also had a quick conversation on, I think Twitter it was, about like how brujería is kind of like, traditional or indigenous practices surviving through colonialism and like holding on to as much as it can, but using like Catholic language and motifs and practices to keep those practices going. I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious about what your deeper take is on, on that. Yeah. I, I definitely do think that Brujeria, it's such a, it's such a heavy like term, right? Because just in sort of the gathering of knowledge that I've accumulated, because I have a deep fascination with like Mexico and the Mexican inquisition and like what people being like murdered, you know, for witchcraft or what they deemed was witchcraft. And I think that us in like Latin America, we're very like blessed in the sense that a lot of herbalism 
and like natural remedios and stuff like that was continue was able to continue on because it wasn't seen as blasphemous. It wasn't seen as like evil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I really do think that brujeria uh, it was a way of just labeling anything that wasn't just like Catholic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that was sort of outside of the norm. So I, I think that, and um, Laura Davila, who she goes by Daphne La Hechicera, um, one of the things that she said to me that's really stuck is like Mexican Catholicism is kind of a mockery in itself, right? Because it's this fusion of a lot of like indigenous traditions and the, you know, the influence of like Spanish Catholicism and sort of having to adapt it for for like the common like working class people you know and it's it's just interesting that because of that because you have this fusion of like people who are practice uh practicing the the religion you also then have this fusion of how people practice the culture and the thing with like that i just take a lot of like uh, catholics are so funny to me because Catholics will be like, brujeria is, is del diablo. But I'm like, okay, but you anoint your candles too. You put oil over them. You're putting like, <laughs> you know. And and for me, I think that like brujeria, uh, because I feel like brujeria just like, you know, praying, rezando a lo normal. It's the same thing, you know. It's just like the preparations that you take in kind of ensuring that your goals happen, you know. it's It's how much time you're putting into it and and then you know putting this thing into the world and making it happen you know and uh something that i take people love to like really cast the finger of like bruja bruja you know whatever but they (laughs) nunca se juzgan por todo el chisme and that's mal de ojo friend you know like when you like okay i have a difficult thing with chisme right because i think in some ways it was the way for the people in the town to also spread awareness about like things that were happening on haciendas and the violence mm-hmm. that people were experiencing. Right. So I think there's a lot of power in cheese but at the same time, I think that like sometimes cheese comes from a place of like mal de ojo jealousy. You just have to like put dirt on someone's name because you can't stand that they're doing. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and I take a lot of bother with the second one because I also think that like, you know, if you spent as much time, putting dirt on other people's names as you did about caring and growing and turning your life reality into what you wanted to, it would probably be a lot easier. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I just think that like, honestly, you know, being Catolico, just like being a bruja is about using different elements to create the reality that you're trying to bring into the world. I hope that answered your question. No, no. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think a lot of it has to do also with uh, like intention, you know, some people see brujeria as just innately an evil thing. Um, and people can sometimes see chisme as like a bad habit, but I think it is all about intention. Whatever you do in your life, you know, you're, you should examine your intentions behind them. And it's also a, a conversation that I try to have with, with Susto is what are the intentions, you know, behind sharing these stories, behind talking about a word that is used a lot in these stories is drunkards. You know, what is the intention behind talking about people with substance abuse issues in certain lights, you know, and how can we reframe or reappropriate those intentions? To kind of shift gears and take a hard left, I want to ask you if you have any of your own paranormal experiences that you would like to share. 
So, okay, I am back in Tequila, Jalisco, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of weird experiences here. But the one that I will share with you, because I can send you the photo and you can see if you can see it too, is um, I was staying at my tia's house and I was recording some audio. And it was kind of late at night and I had, you know, just sort of like, because I'm a content creator and so you're always sometimes taking photos of your setups and just kind of, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I'd taken a photo of my setup. I'd done the recording. And then the next day I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, that's a bunch of fucking ghosts, you know, <sighs> like, and it was just one of those where it's like, okay, this can't, this isn't just me. So I sent it to you. Let me see. Let me see if you can, like, see anything, and if not... Oh, my God, I'm already scared. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't, I'll send you the one where it's a little bit closer up, and if you still can't, I'll tell you what I see. I... Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to send you the closer up one. Please do not tell me that that is a face. There's a lot of faces. You're fucking kidding me. Oh, my God, I am... (laughs) If you let, I'll show you. That kind of looks like a malevolent face, but that kind of looks very Nosferatu like. I don't know if you see that one, but the one that I see, it's like a man who's sitting down and he has kind of like a barba, kind of like with a reddish tint to it, and it's like his like wife is kind of standing behind him. I don't know if you see that, but then behind her is kind of a malevolent face, but. Yeah, I saw this and I was just like, oh my god, this is creepy. Okay, here's the thing. Here's what I'm seeing now. I'm so upset right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is now what I'm seeing is... So immediately I saw like smaller faces, but now I'm looking at it like from a distance and I can see larger faces. Like there is one that is like right next to like the curve of your pinky. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah, I don't like that one. Can I post these? Yes, you can totally post them. This is disgusting. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, I just, I got like the nastiest chills. Oh my god, okay. But but yeah, and it's funny because like, you know, Mexican people love stuff. My parents would have, like, we would all be at a get-together and they're like, Rebequita, saca las fotos de los fantasmas. And I was like... (laughs) Exactly. I was like, okay... Oh, my God. But, yeah, so that's one that comes to mind. Another one that comes to mind, I think one of my first, actually, is I talk a lot about, like, I love Alton, Illinois. Like, it's just, I don't know, like, the architecture, the space, um, but it's very full of of ghost activity because it was one of the first stops of the Underground Railroad. Oh, wow. And uh, I actually went into a house in the basement that, like, the tunnel was part of the Underground Railroad because there were... This is so funny because some people thought that... the And and maybe at, at times myself, too, and I guess it depended on where you were, but parts of the Underground Railroad were actual underground, like, tunnels, you know? It wasn't just, mm-hmm. like, running, you know, potentially through a woody, woodsy area or whatever. It's It was very different depending on the layout, whatever, what have you. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so we're in this tunnel, and... I'm staring up at this light bulb and it's green and, you know, because it's one of those, like, when you turn it off, it kind of has that iridescent kind of glow to it. Yeah. And I look away. It's all dark. I look away again. It's green again. And 
less than 10 seconds after it moved, I guess, a girl started screaming and had her hair pulled and then they pulled us all out. <gasps> So no. whatever was in front of me moved and decided that she ha- they it had beef with her. So, yeah. I know. I'm like, what did that girl do? Was she like low key racist? And the ghost was like, gotcha. <laughs> I you know what I wonder sometimes is like if the ancestors like they know because my best friend, lover to death, sweetest person ever, in the last year found out that her um. I don't know what great, 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 whatever, but they used to enslave people. So that's something I was thinking about. I'm like, oh, my God, like if you had crossed paths with with the spirit or like, you know, one of your ancestors had and they just really had beef with you, would they just like throw some bows about it? And I'm like, maybe. Listen, me personally, as if if I was a spirit, I would. I would. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, I don't know what awaits me in the afterlife, but if I could get like a day pass to the mortal realm to like fuck around with people. I love to scare people as is. Like nothing um, you already. So <laughs> yeah, so like I would love to come back as a as a spirit and like spook some people. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> well, so speaking of your your recent move, um I I looked up some a couple of things about uh tequila. Um cuz we wanted to talk about haunted distilleries, but um I was like I I I don't know. I just had like a real interest in in looking in, dist- in distilleries in the area, and um, there was I found some like landmarks. I wanted to see if you knew of any of these um, either before getting there or you've discovered them recently. There's I think three of them that I pulled from this article, but uh, the first one that it mentions is something called the Devil's Alley. Does that ring any bell so far? Where? Um, so it's interesting. Callejón del Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. I've never actually been there, though. So this one, and, and it's related, I think, to an ep- to the episode that you just did recently with Guillermo and Billy. Yeah. Uh, Sousa. Yes. Uh, or to their family, at least. It says that Tequila also has a legend of making deals with the devil. And you talk about this on that episode. It says that it was Don Senovio Sousa who, according to the myth, sold his soul to the beast. Later, when he died by natural causes, his faithful steed is said to have followed him to death. Today, witnesses in Tequila claim having seen Don Senovio's black horse, uh, named Satan, according to this article, taking people to the gates of hell. Ooh, I haven't heard that. I'll have to ask around. So it's interesting because a lot of my family members, like, they're in their 80s, their late 70s, their 80s. And so they wouldn't have known Cenobio, but they knew Javier. So I feel like there are certain places that the family used to own because a lot of it, you know, I think they, when they sold, I think they only kept like 30%. So unfortunately, it's a lot of like foreign people who own a lot of the old property. But um, my point being is that it's kind of nice to get their perspectives on like legends and stuff because they're like, oh, no, yeah, yeah that's real. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's, that's, that's real. And so I don't know about the specific Callejón. But there is the talk about La Cueva. There is the talk. Like, I'll even tell you this. My my aunt, and I'm excited to do an episode about this in the future. But my aunt bought a house from um, Don Javier Sousa. And it was around the corner from where the factory used to be. Mm. And so my grandmother lived there. And, you know, uh, but I would always have this really eerie feeling when I would stay there. And it would get really, really late. Because we would go 
meet up with my cousin because he worked there. So we would all, you know, with my aunt, like a bunch of us would go um, to kind of just make sure he made it home safely. And I just remember when we would walk down that street, it just felt very uncomfortable. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. There's something there. I haven't figured it out. You know, I'm still scratching the surface, but yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it could be this uh, this man and his horse looking around. <laughs> maybe that's the street because if it's it's that guy, it's like between where his house, like maybe. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, I, it would it would have to be uh, what is it a crossroads, right? Because that's that's kind of like the it is. It is part of the instructions. Yeah. yeah, it has to be at a crossroads where you make a deal like that. Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so another one that I found in that article, it's about uh, Tequila's sleeping dragon. So there's a legend that claims that beneath the streets of Tequila dwells a sleeping dragon, whose main duty is to protect the plantations and caves of the region. According to the myth, his head is buried under the white quarry cross in the atrium of St. James Parish, and popular belief says that any cool breeze that's felt in that area is just the the breath of the dragon. I will tell you this, when it gets really breezy here, it kind of happens very quick, and it's very, like, strong, like... If you did laundry and you didn't clip it up on your rooftop, sorry about you. Gone. It's, it's yeah. all gone. So, no, I love that. Interesting. And it, and uh, there's a lot of uh, mythology because I can't remember the exact term right now, but there is um, like obsidian everywhere and it's volcanic ash. It's stone made from like volcanic ash. And uh, there's an indigenous word that means like pointed rocks. And that's where the term like tequila comes from. But... It's, I don't know, it's just so fascinating because there, there does seem to be this energy around like a fire because of the volcano and everything. So interesting. Dragon, love to hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it's interesting that it points to, and you also brought it up, the the volcanoes, or like the volcanic stone. The, the last bit that I found in this article was about, it's the legend of Los Lavaderos. And um, it said, it's a legend of this person named Doña Felix, who was a lady who throughout her life used volcanic stone uh, in, in laundry rooms to do people's laundry. And according to the legend, that if you visit the, that place at night, that you can still hear the ghosts scrubbing the clothes on the volcanic stone. So, okay, that's one I have to re-release because I talked to um, Chava, who is uh, Tequila en Línea, and I'll send you the link for that. He he posts all the happenings in Tequila, and there's a lot of stuff that happens here. And uh, the thing that's kind of cool about her is that she was a very small lady, and she had like a specific little like um, like bench, balconci- or, uh, what would the banquita that she would move mm. over and like she would stand up on top to be able to wash her clothes. And mm. because right, like because she's so small, after she passed, people said that like the little bench would just move in front of her station. So they've like put a brick there so she can like get up. Oh. Uh-huh. So yeah, can and it's funny because like uh, and again I have to release this one now. That's given me a reason too. But like Chava mentions, like that would have been like the Kila on Linea in the day, you know. Like there, there's a and I'll send it to you. 
there's a photo of the lavaderos where these women are just ripping each other's hair out. And it's like, imagine how messy it would get at times. Oh, my God. Over like drama. Yeah, because it's like all of the women in the town would go and wash their clothes there. Oh, my God. So, you know, because this is back, back, back in the old day. They didn't necessarily have, like, a place to wash. So if you were in a place where you couldn't, you know, have a washing area, you would go to this public one because it's kind of just there for everyone. But, yeah, women would, like, rip their hair out getting into fights. Like, maybe that you know that's your station. And Maria Elena, like, se puso en un pleito con su marido and she's making her problem your problem. And it's like, all right. Minche Maria Elena. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, mind your business. Like, your your inability to pick a good man is not my problem. <laughs> um, it, honestly, uh, the way that we would be in there causing mess. <laughs> but, yeah. So, no, I'm really glad that you mentioned that one because that's only one that I've become aware of in the last few years. And it's really cool. And it's one of those that I love... You know, I love leyendas, but I love leyendas that especially, like, have merit, right? Like, these are people that existed. These are people that lived. Um, there's something nice about just being kind of immortalized through a ghost story that is accurate, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think something that I always mention is, like, my belief or my understanding of, um, like, spirits or ghosts is through energy. And so you think of these, like, spots that are high-energy places. So I'm sure this, like, washeteria, you know, was a place where people were in and out of all the time and a place where people built community. It, it, whether or not it was harmonious, there was, like, elevated levels of energy because this is where people spent time together, either, you know, enjoying each other's company or participating in drama. So yeah, like it makes sense that a place like this would store that energy. I'm not sure what the properties are of volcanic stone, but I know like there are certain stones that are um, referenced in uh, like uh, the paranormal putas. They talk about it, how people think that restrooms are places of high activity because they have, it's like a trifecta, you know, there are mirrors, there's water, and then there's stone, which usually the toilets, they're made of stones, right? Um, certain stones can hold on to like energy. Um, so I'm thinking, or I'm wondering if, you know, maybe volcanic, you know, the, the stone that they use in this region is able to store some of that energy as well and contribute to the quote unquote hauntings. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because the stone is obsidiano, so obsidian and I know it's a big protection stone and I do feel because I wear uh, like this little water drop, this black obsidian like water drop. And I do feel like it when I have situations with the paranormal, I don't feel as like uncomfortable about it because I do feel grounded. But I also feel like this stone like collects my <laughs> fear essentially. Like, you know, yeah. it's just like, all right, bitch, you decided to do this. Like we're holding, we're holding you down. So I do feel like I need to like kind of cleanse it a lot. Um, but I don't know, like it, it's, I love being back here because it's one of those things where I'm like, am I really like, do I really like interact with spirits or do I just think I do? And then I'm here like, no, no, this is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they will remind you with what the truth is real quick. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Bex, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. Uh, what can listeners expect from you and from Tutia Bruja in the future? Is there anything exciting going on or any collaborations on the horizon uh, that you're looking forward to? I, so I'm excited because we're starting the year off with a collaboration with you. I, I mean, I'm always open to collaboration. I 
I've been really fortunate to find a lot of people and I feel like I'm going to sit down and have a thought because even though the, you know, new moon wasn't that long ago, I still feel like it's the beginning of the year. It's so full of possibilities. So I think I'm going to make a list of all the people that I've been wanting to reach out to and just haven't to just haven't because of life and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, like the, the spaghetti theory, if anybody's interested, like we'll make it happen. Um, I feel like this is just the year I'm going to try a lot of different things. So yeah. I'm just excited to see what it brings. Um, yeah, if y'all want to listen to my little oddball little show, it's Lutia Bruja and you can catch it everywhere you listen to podcasts. And where can they find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at Tutia Bruja on TikTok, Instagram, and um I use threads. I don't know. I'm trying to get used to it. It's kind of like right now the Wild West, but I'm on X and I definitely (laughs) don't do anything there. But you can find me in all those places. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your experiences. And uh, yeah, just for being an all around and and for being our Thea. You know, I'm trying, but like y'all were not raised right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling your mom. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later, Vex. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Welcome back, ghoul friends. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you again to Bex for agreeing to take some time and be on the show and share her perspectives and her insights with you all. Again, if y'all are not following her, please make sure to do so online, visit her website, listen to her show. I am also going to appear on one of her episodes. So after you listen to this, swing by uh, your Tia's house, to your Tia's podcast and give it a listen. Like we mentioned in her podcast, it, it took it took a while to get there to record it. <laughs> there was just a number of things that happen and uh, that is why I truly truly appreciate Bex and I respect her because she fully gets it she is also an independent creator and so she was like you know what we're going to be patient with each other (laughs) we're going to support each other so just every time I work with other creators I'm like wow again make sure to go support her and if you would like to support Susto you already know the easiest way to do that is to share the show with one of your ghoul friends tell them all about it have them listen to it like subscribe leave a review on Apple Podcasts answer the Q&A on Spotify or leave your own scary stories in there. Uh, Aside from leaving your scary stories, you can submit any of your stories, any of your pictures, video, audio, whatever you have to me via at Susta Podcast on every social media platform, sustapodcast at gmail.com or by visiting the website sustapodcast.com where you can also check out some pretty sweet merch. Before I stop pushing (laughs) all of that stuff on you. I do want to say one last thing. If you are interested in supporting Susto financially, again, I am a one-person team. You can do so by visiting patreon.com slash Susto podcast. And a huge, huge shout out to this episode's patrons. You are... Liza, Sadie, Rachel, Alejandra, Luther, April, Mario, Eva, Dee, Victoria, Josette, Sam, Angela and Co., Mandy, Jules, Lori, Jeannie, Desiree, Anasee, Ashes, Neresa, Rachel A., Asukena, Rios, Anna, Marlene, Chata, Lainey, Desiree A., Aaliyah King, Holly, and Cynthia. Thank you so much. I will talk to you in the next one and say hi to your tia. Bye!